Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of I'm Not Fine. We're at episode two of our second yeah. season. Um, today we're going to be talking about a fun little thing. Oh my god, called perfectionism. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I I think it's really hard to even pick when perfectionism comes up anymore. It's just yeah. so ingrained. Yeah, I um, agree. So it will be an interesting one for us and for you. Um, and I'm already, like, judging myself of how I'm speaking. So it's just really all over the place, isn't it? Great. Perfectionism. Oh. Obviously, we didn't deal with, haven't dealt with it in this sense for our entire lives. But it's such a thing that we had to overcome for the podcast. Oh, absolutely. I still don't listen back to them. No. I just, I message Meg every Monday when she's on her way to work listening to the podcast. I'm like, does it sound more honest? <laughs> I'm not going to listen. It's really, it took a lot of work. Yeah. And honestly, part of the reason why I do listen to it is perfectionism because I want to make sure that it's perfect. <laughs> we have different ways of dealing with our perfectionism. Oh, fun. But, yeah, so that's, fun. I guess, a great reminder that perfectionism can pop up anywhere in exactly. your life. Yeah, and there's no right or wrong, there's no perfect way to <laughs> no. be perfectionistic. Which is very rude. It is. Um, so now that we've got all that out in the open about our perfectionistic <laughs> ways of reading podcasts, what are we what are we going to discuss today under the umbrella of perfectionism? We're going to start with talking about what perfectionism is. Handy. It's a bit of a buzzword. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't know what it is or who, like, you might have experienced it but not actually know the clinical yeah. definition of perfectionism because yeah. there's many misconceptions about it, I think. Absolutely. So we're going to be discussing what perfectionism is, yeah. how it can show up in everyday life, Important. how it can show up with eating disorders, yeah. and then ways that we try and manage perfectionism. Yeah. And we're by no means professionals. No, and no means perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dealing with perfectionism, but we think we will we give it a red hot go. We do. We haven't um, spontaneously stopped the podcast. We're no, still, which we're is good. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I don't know. The only thing we can do is really like say how we're trying to yeah. manage it because we do manage it. We yeah. can be functional. Functional? Wow. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be functioning without? trying to manage perfectionism because it takes over your life it does perfectionism is incredibly pervasive and it does like suffocate someone if they listen to it every second of the day absolutely um so yeah we will end with some some oh i hate talking tips some (laughs) insights into how we how we yeah yeah definitely okay so let's start with what is perfectionism yes um, when we were planning this, we, we decided to start with this and then we yes. realised we actually had to search. Yeah, because we wanted to make sure we were giving you guys the right information yeah. and also make sure that we didn't have any misconceptions about mm, what perfectionism is. Yes. So on that note, what did we find? What did you find? I say like <laughs> we both searched. <laughs> we found that perfectionism is when you put pressure on yourself to achieve very high standards, and then the way you do or don't achieve those standards influences how you feel about yourself. Yeah. So a lot of people feel like they think perfectionism is being perfect 100% of the time. Yes. Which, one, is just not possible no, at all. It's, Im- it's, yeah, yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> but, two, that's not what it is. You're not striving to be perfect. You're striving to achieve these I want to say arbitrary goals that you've set for yourself yeah. because 
they come out of, well, a lot of the time they come out of nowhere at uni and stuff. Like if you're aiming for 100%, yeah, that doesn't but come aiming, out of nowhere. No, but aiming for 100% when you don't need to aim for 100%. Exactly. That's an arbitrary choice. Yes. So I guess that's what perfectionism is. Yeah. So we've mentioned one way. So grades. Um, so school, uni, whatever sort of. Um, anything that's marked, really. Yeah, anything that's marked. Even um, I know someone <laughs> who, as a lot of workplaces do, they have job like performance reviews oh, every yes. year. And at the place that she worked at, they were scaled very arbitrarily from like two to seven or something really? like that. Like I don't <laughs> understand why it wasn't just one to five. But anyway, like apparently absolutely nobody gets a seven. And she was aiming for a seven and got a six. And so that affected how she thought about herself. So that's perfectionism in a different way. Absolutely. And shows just how arbitrary it can be. Yes. And I think that's a really good point that we get, we not always get graded in our vocation or in life in general, but we do use numbers a lot. We do. Perfectionistic behaviours and aiming for a certain number. And we'll get to that later with, you know, obviously the big one in Eden disorders and number of (laughs) steps away. Calories or all of that sort of numbers um, bullshit. No, I'm joking. It's not. It is, but you know, whatever. Um, so right, performance reviews. That's a really good one. Um, exam results. Exam results. A hundred percent. End of semester. Any results? Any. I remember being marked. Yeah, I remember back in like what was it, year ten. I think I got a B plus. Oh my god! For for one single piece of work wasn't even like an end of <laughs> end of term thing but I, I got so upset I cried but I did, I did that cry that you do when you're in class and you yes, and you're ones. trying not to yeah. yeah and thank god it was well before corona otherwise I probably would have been kicked out <laughs> um but like I remember the teacher being like does someone have a cold because I was like <laughs> I was so upset and it wasn't like it had no bearing on my future whatsoever no it was yeah just that arbitrary mark that I just held on to Another way that perfectionism has cropped up in my life that was a mark but also kind of wasn't a mark, Mm. going for my learners because I'm a twin. Harry and I went for our learners on the same day. I don't know what the process is down here, but in Queensland it's a 30-question quiz. You've got the first section's 20 marks and you have to get like 18 out of 20. The last question, the last section's 10 marks and you have to get 9 out of 10. So you can get three wrong, but it's over two sections. And I was determined that I didn't have to pass. I had to get better than Harry. That's how I, I mean, I did want to pass. Like the perfectionism did make me want to pass, but it was more important. It was implied that you would pass and then then beat Harry. (laughs) It was more important for me perfectionally, perfectionally, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Don't let your perfectionism sink in your back. It was more important for my perfectionism that I beat Harry, which I mean, we had the same prep. We got different quizzes because everybody got a different quiz. It's not yeah. like you were doing the same thing. No. So we had different questions. And it didn't matter if I beat him or not. It didn't yeah. mean that I was going to be a better driver. It didn't mean on your L's it was like, Meg, the better twin. <laughs> <laughs> it literally had no bearing on my future whatsoever. No. But I still I felt it. I still feel it. <laughs> still feel, exactly. The fact that you can remember it. The fact that I can remember crying over it. Ten years ago I remember yeah. it. Yeah. They stick with you. These really do. Oh, it's brutal. All right. So we've got our assessment-based perfectionism. What are some other ways that it can rear its ugly head in our lives? 
Probably the next one that came to mind was relationships. Yeah. Our, our roles within relationships. Yes, that is such a big one. Yeah. I had, I still have a complex of being the best friend or the most supportive friend. <laughs> you <I'm>, absolutely do. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, but it used to be pretty, like, pretty debilitating to the point that I would absolutely prioritize other people's needs above my own. Yeah. I mean, you still do that, but oh. you. <laughs> You have gotten much better at it. I Thank usually you. finish my sentence. <laughs> I'm also really touchy from that. Um, yeah, so yeah, perfectionism in relationships. I'm, uh, yeah, you relate. Yes, absolutely. In <laughs> yeah. all relationships, I know a yeah. big one for me is being a good housemate. Yes. So much perfectionism around being a good housemate. Absolutely. And it's a really hard one to measure. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> but I constantly think, I mean, I can vocalise it with you, yeah. luckily, but in living in other share houses and stuff, I've constantly thought that I'm the worst housemate, that nobody wants to live with me. Yeah. Everyone hates living with me. I'm like the worst at X, Y, Z, or I've made up in my mind that people want me to do whatever yeah and they don't actually tell me so then I'm just like going off on this crazy like train of thought where I'm like oh my god I have to do this this and this otherwise they're gonna kick me out of the house it's never come up no, before it's ever never been an eviction notice being like <laughs> Meg clean your dishes or you're out and I think especially in a previous living situation that I've been in I felt really unsafe yeah in that situation and some of that had to do with the dynamic, like the dynamic. Yeah. but a lot of that had to do with my perfectionism and yeah. me thinking that I wasn't good enough to live there. Which is such an exhausting position, headspace to be in. Oh, absolutely. Because you want it, your home is your home. You want yeah. to feel safe. You want to and feel I felt like, like I couldn't let my guard down at all yeah. at home, which is exhausting. It is. So especially, yeah, especially when, you know, you, you go to work and you have all these stresses in life and then you come home and it should be sort of a reprieve. Yeah, I should be able to walk around without my pants on, but I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) You can now. I definitely do now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, relationship perfectionism is a bitch and I I agree with the housemates, which I think definitely as it was my first experience moving out, I was like, I need to. I need to be good, but I didn't know how to be good. Yes. Um, <laughs> you need to achieve yes. whatever perfection is. Yeah. You don't know what no. you need to do. And like being 20, what was I, 25 and yeah. moving out of home, I was like, fuck, I'm late. But <laughs> no, it, there's no race and there's no time limit no. and there's no expectation at any age. And that's another form of perfection. Oh, definitely. Life trajectories. Yes. It's a big thing. And comparison. Absolutely. Like nobody knows, there is no achievement. Nobody knows what the, I guess, the path looks like. No. But everyone's constantly comparing and if like someone yes. that you went to high school with is now married or has a kid or has bought a house or has two degrees or whatever yes and then you're suddenly like I haven't done all these things but they're probably comparing themselves to you being yeah. like I haven't done all these things that you've done exactly everyone like everyone lives very different lives and thank god otherwise it'd be incredibly boring oh the world would be so boring it'd, it'd be boring. Truman Show-esque oh <laughs> yeah that would be weird like even like I know Jim Carrey's weird in himself, but like it was Jim Carrey, wasn't it? I yeah, think so. Yeah. Um it'd be awful if I didn't know well, I'd just judge myself with perfectionistic tendencies. <laughs> and that's um, gonna Google who it was as soon as we finish recording. Probably, yeah. And I'm like, Meg, we have to review that section. Um but yeah, no, absolutely we've got our roles, we've got our relationships and trajectories in life. It is mm. 
something that I think, especially when you're in your mid-20s, early to mid-20s, yeah. it is a hard place to be in. Because everybody around your age is in different stages. Yeah, and people naturally compare. And then you have the horror that is five-year reunions, ten-year yes. reunions, and Being people, like, you, you, you turn up. Like not so much now in the Facebook era. Like you do yeah. see a lot of what happening, what is happening around you, but you turn up in your 10 years and it's like you have to provide like your achievements. On yeah, the it's like a rundown of this is when I did my first year out and then my yeah. second year and then my third year. And it's like if you didn't achieve something that year, oh, yeah. then it's like, well, what is wrong with you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, <clears throat> it is it is really hard, especially when you have mental health issues. Oh, absolutely. It uh, just adds a whole nother layer. Definitely. Um, so back on relationships, what sort of, how does it manifest for you? um for me it manifests in this really fun way where I think that I'm inferior to everybody else like it doesn't matter if it's someone that I work with like family member friend it could just be patient yeah co-patient it could be the person sitting next to me on the tram yeah but I'm automatically like five rungs lower on the ladder than anyone that I am near and it's a very strange ladder it is a very (laughs) strange ladder everybody that I come across is on it yeah somehow (laughs) I mean I'm not the biggest fan of like heights so it's kind of good yeah yeah. (laughs) but yeah that's how it manifests for me as being inferior to other people which is Again, a bit of a mindfuck because it's like you want to be perfect and perfection has this high standard. Yeah. But the high standard has to be lower. Yeah. It is very weird. Yeah. Um, so that's mainly how it manifests. And then I guess in romantic relationships, it was actually a little bit different because I had to see myself as equal to be worthy of being in the relationship. Yeah. Which took a long time to get to that. It takes a lot of mental gymnastics to get to that. Oh, definitely. But then there was still the perfectionism of am I being a good partner? Is this like, am I, I don't know, meeting my needs? Am I meeting his needs? Am I it's considering someone else in your life? Yeah. That sort of that sort of relationship because it's it's new like exactly. I'm the same it's 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 a different relationship than however many years before when you had a platonic friendship like yeah. it is a different relationship and it's definitely different to your parents which you know good <laughs> um very good but yeah it was such a weird thing like we'd be going for a walk and then I'd decide to take Penny with me Penny the dog <laughs> not my sister <laughs> and I would be the whole way there being like, what if he doesn't want Penny to come today? Like, what, who doesn't want to see her? She's the cutest dog in the world. Sorry, Except- Hamilton. Oh! <laughs> no. You just had a haircut. <laughs> Other than Harry, but Hamilton didn't exist at the time I lived with Penny. Yeah, this is true. So yeah. she was the sweetest little thing. Yeah. And I would just be like, what if he doesn't want to see her today? What if he only wanted to see Penny and not me? <laughs> like, what if the only reason he invited Honestly, me on the walk is to see Penny? You should stay in the car. Penny, you can have a lovely time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we don't have to worry about that now because I'm single. Nothing to do with perfectionism. <laughs> what but about you? you have your own dog. Someone that is in a long-term relationship. Yeah, it is hard. I think especially if you've lived your life um, for a very long time not prioritising yourself. Yeah. And you almost not... have to prioritise yourself to be able to prioritise the relationship. Yeah, I feel like I am in a really good place with my relationship because I'm also – in a good place with where I'm at too. Like yeah. it really does help um, to sort of have that ability to sort of step back and be like, oh, um, 
am I looking after myself? Am I looking after my partner? And having a bit of perspective, whereas when I was in the thick of my eating disorder, I didn't really have the ability to think about myself no, or someone else. You didn't have the introspection, but you also didn't have the ability to, yeah, think about consider other people. Yeah, all I wanted to do was, well, lose weight. Which yeah, is... and then know what your weight was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Yeah, like I want to be the most supportive um, friend and partner as well. So I think it does translate. But I think um, as you were sort of reflecting on, it does get easier with um, sort of just thinking about yourself as a person. Mm. And that's the biggest thing. I remember when I started at, I mean, I was quite unwell when I started at my current workplace, but I got more unwell over the first 18 months that I worked there. And I wouldn't even let myself speak at lunchtime. Like when people were just chatting and having casual casual yeah. conversation, I wouldn't let myself talk because I felt like I wasn't worthy. And I think part of that was perfectionism because I felt like I didn't have anything to contribute and yeah. if I didn't have anything to contribute and there was no point in me talking. Yeah. But I also at the same time needed to have something to contribute because I needed to be like a valued member of the team. Yeah. It's an ab- it's it's such a bind and I think that's that's a huge part of the perfection is just not not feeling like you're worthy of the space yeah or the time because you're not achieving whatever your perfectionism goals are and you might not even like it's not like you wake up every morning and then your head like explicitly says okay we're going to achieve this this and this today like you might not actually know what you're striving for no but Which makes it even harder to achieve. It does because it's that moving goalpost. You don't even know where the goalpost is. And exactly. It's moving. It might not. It might be AFL goalpost. It might be <laughs> rugby goalpost. It might be a soccer goal. Like you don't know what it looks like. At all. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So it's really hard to try and achieve all these goals, perfectionism, success for you if you don't even know where they are. Exactly. Or what they look like. <laughs> or code of football we're playing. Yeah. Um, either sports reference. <laughs> Just widening our audience. Yes. Yeah, we want sponsorships from like I don't know. Not sporting teams. teams, Unless it's like the Vixens or something. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I feel like we're so short. Like, (laughs) when we went to the netball the other day, we were just looking at them and I was like, they're all so much taller. It's so, so tanned. You'd get um, fine. I'd need to like have a yeah, strong, but, you know, if we had tan. a Bondi Sands <laughs> sponsorship, I wouldn't be mad about that. <laughs> I would. I find that I just find it anxiety provoking. It's probably is that I'm, perfectionism? Absolutely. It absolutely is. Also, I'm just incredibly pale. Um, so it look a bit strange if I suddenly went. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on. on. I think that's it doesn't tie nicely into our next point at all. But I'm gonna go. It's a good way <laughs> to end that yes. point of conversation and start a new topic. Yes. Um and that new topic is is how perfectionism relates to eating disorders. They're very, very intertwined. Yeah, because we are we are a podcast, but we are like catered towards the eating disorder community. So it does make sense to bring it up here. Yes, finally. Um, I, don't, I, don't know through why, I don't know why I had to provide that caveat. Like, <laughs> Just in case you've forgotten what you're yeah. listening to. If you thought you were listening to a true crime podcast, you're not. You're no in one... the wrong spot and well done for making it this far. <laughs> no one's getting murdered, guys. Um, and Hamilton's too cute to be murdered. I mean, yeah. he was before. He just got his first haircut. He's, he's absolutely right. adorable. He's He'll cute. probably feature on the Instagram at some stage. He will. I think he's pretty proud of it too. He didn't do anything <laughs> to get it, but he's pretty proud of he it. He is pretty proud. Yeah. Very okay. handsome boy. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so, perfectionism and eating disorders. I think they feed each other. I agree, which is ironic. It's so ironic. <laughs> 
love a good feeding reference. Um, they do. So it can come up in so many ways. But for me, I guess my perfectionism started with my eating disorder. Sorry, Sam. With my eating disorder, it started quite young too, really. Um, and it was largely based on numbers and largely based on this perception that I was not sick enough and never good enough for my eating disorder and all of that, you know, circular thinking that only leads mm-hmm. you further and further and further and further away from your values and your person and your life. Um, so it really did intertwine with that. I think on the flip side, cutely, um, when I started recovering properly, as in actually wanting to recover um, and putting effort in, it flipped to yeah. being perfect at recovery yes yeah which is really not possible either you can't be the perfect eating disorder patient or eating disordered person eating disorder eating disorder but you also can't be the the perfect recoverer because no it doesn't exist it doesn't you and recovery in itself is imperfect yeah i was gonna say it's kind of like no i don't know what i was gonna say (laughs) anyway (laughs) yeah you just you can't have perfectionism in something that is as messy as recovery no because it's unpredictable it is it is unpredictable and you will stuff up yes and that's kind of the process you kind of have to you to be able to move forward absolutely and if you bash yourself up for stuffing up your eating disorder is just grabbing traction oh absolutely that's and you're like, be like well, you were fine with me yeah you didn't feel like this when we were hanging out exactly or like you're you're a loser you can't even recover just come back to me everything yeah. will be sweet it's not sweet guys don't <laughs> listen to it but it does it does play a role it really does how about you how does it play out in eating disorder recovery vibes um i think pre-recovery before I was aware that I had an eating disorder, but looking back now, I very much had an eating disorder. It was a lot to do with academics, mm. also a lot to do with randomly sleep and yeah. the number of hours of sleep that I got or didn't got reflected in what I ate or didn't eat that day. Yeah. So it was a whole load of deprivation. Yeah, definitely. But there was perfectionism in the numbers there. Um, perfectionism in I had stupidly four jobs while I was in uni and it was all about oh. achieving at said jobs yeah as well as achieving at uni, at uni yeah definitely and you then, must have been exhausted for four years so fucking exhausted <laughs> oh my god so tired all the time yeah and then I got once I moved to Melbourne got heavily into F45 so then my perfectionism was kind of modeled around that mm. and if for anyone listening out there who doesn't know what F45 it's it's a a cult. Cult. <laughs> it is a fitness cult. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, got heavily invested in that. And then in recovery, it just got <sighs> my perfectionism, which we have touched on uh, before in this podcast, not this episode, but previous episodes. My perfectionism came around in the I had to be perfectly fine. I had to be yeah. as soon as I set foot in intensive treatment I had to instantly be recovered and then I had to be fine and I just had to be fine so was, you had to be a magic unicorn really. yeah I had to go from being unwell to being completely recovered just overnight yeah literally overnight anytime especially in group therapies oh, yes. but even in one-on-one therapy but especially group I had to like anything we were talking about I had to know the exact right thing to say and I had to say something I think that's the biggest difference from where it was in other areas of my life is that I had to say something and it had to be the right thing. Yeah. And it's really, really, really hard 
to sit with that so hard in group therapy because I, I would say something and then I would just sit there and fester in it and absolutely. be like oh my god and what did I do news flash people with eating disorders in a group setting are not the best people to gauge responses from <laughs> definitely not also half the time people will probably weren't aware no. of what I actually said. They probably they no, were thinking no, about what they just the, what snack they were going to have. Exactly. After group. No offense, but they probably weren't paying attention. Not because <laughs> no. you have brilliant insights, but because they were thinking about yesterday's snack, last week's dinner, like anything. And the, the facilitators, who I also like, was hung up on what they thought about it. But they were all so professional that they would not have given it two thoughts. No, at all. But I get it. Like I always wanted to be the perfect group member and I think it was a a lovely um, kickback from being the <laughs> pretty bad group member <laughs> for a long time. The group, yeah. Oh, I think I think past past struggles and past um, difficulties do inform future perfectionism. Yes, I and agree. you do get a bit of a complex about it. <laughs> By yes. you, I mean me. Um, <laughs> but it is it is really hard. And I imagine it does sometimes translate over to uni for you yeah, as well. Definitely. Um, as I'm working on it now yeah. that I'm trying to balance uni and work and being a dog mom and it's living out of home. It's the first time that I've studied while living out of home. So yeah. it's you know, it was nice when I was at home and I could spend X number of hours at uni a day and come home and there was a cooked meal on the table. I mean, to be fair, I'm very lucky. <laughs> and Emma cooks for me most nights. <laughs> but still, like balancing life and yeah. all the life things. And like housework and just logistically thinking about yes. yourself as a at our human who isn't living at home. It's yeah. stressful. I just can't do uni the way I did before. And there That's probably a good thing. <laughs> Valid, very valid. And I had this conversation with my psychologist before. We had this conversation many times before the semester started just to make sure that I didn't, like, fuck up. <laughs> Was that a little bit of infection? <clears throat> a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we had this conversation many times and I find myself still having this conversation. Like, I got a result back the other day when I was at work yeah. and I wasn't stoked with it and it was a perfectly fine mark. Like, it was, it was a good mark. Yeah. But I wasn't thrilled with it. And everyone at work was like, dude, you work like full time. Yeah. You're raising a puppy. You're trying to study. And it's not like your whole identity. And I had to be like, oh, yeah, it's really not. As long yeah. as I'm passing and I'm enjoying what I'm learning, yeah. that's that's all that matters really. And I grad is so different to undergrad. And I know I've said that many times. But it is. I have to, you have to approach it differently because it's a different thing absolutely and it's catered towards different people yeah not catered towards the 19 18 year old first years no but it's taken a lot for my perfectionism to be like it's a yeah. different thing we're not doing the same thing over again we don't need to go about it the same way at all and you also have to like we both have to remember that like living living is stressful and living provokes a lot of perfectionism too oh, absolutely um, heck even corona i had to be the perfect like quarantiner <laughs> yes i couldn't go more than five kilometers from my oh, house no. if someone else from my house i went shopping that day there's no way that i could go shopping i would only go out for my one hour a day i stressed going into work every day oh, even yes. though i work in a hospital i'm an essential <laughs> worker i still was like oh maybe i don't need to go into work like could am i work I, from home am i an essential essential worker <laughs> but also oh 
that panic you get when you you feel like a sore throat coming on and then yes. you watch the Dan Andrews press conference and he's like thank and he's you talking, for anyone that yeah. had symptoms thank you for getting tested and, and you're, you're like, like oh my god <laughs> need to get tested Oof. anyway it was stressful <laughs> <laughs> um yeah perfectionism can really yeah pop it's up just anywhere in, anywhere in life really. um Sorry, we're still going a bit backwards in like sports and sideways. It's fine. But, you know, it's however the conversation flows. It is. It's not perfection. <laughs> um, anyway, I feel like the last thing we should probably talk about is how <laughs> how we are managing perfectionism in our lives. I think the big thing for me is naming it. Yeah. Naming that it's perfectionism. Yes, that it takes takes a lot of power away it from does. it, and also it. I guess reminds me that it's not me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not me making these choices and actually it might not have to happen in this exact way. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think also, yeah, naming it gives it I was gonna say a name. Um but it gives <laughs> it, it, it gives it an identity and yeah. you can point to it and be like, that's perfectionism. It's sort of like naming your eating yeah. disorder and sort of seeing yourself as two separate identities, but it also legitimizes it and you can talk to other people about being perfectionistic. Yes. And it's validating. Like I know yeah. with you, uh getting you new results, like when I do get that's what I perceive to be a substandard result. I can talk to you about it and you can get it. Yeah. And we can, you know, just we can talk it out. It together. Yeah. Yeah. So I think relating to people about perfectionism is yeah. one, a really good like, strategy. Taking away the secrecy from yeah, it. Yeah. Because it, it kind of, yeah, yeah. It's not as secretive as an eating disorder. Yeah. But it is in a different way. It is because you do sometimes, like, especially growing up. You do feel like I used to feel really bad if I was upset about a result that somebody yeah, else would be happy with. Really happy with, yeah. Like um, you do sometimes feel ashamed that you're upset about something that perfectionism was trying to make you achieve. Yeah, because it's like I think it also comes down to not valuing your emotions yeah. above someone else's. But it is okay to feel upset about these things. Absolutely. It's just you can't you can't destroy yourself. Really. No. And as we've spoken about before with emotions and how we can get secondary emotions, it's sort of like with perfectionism, you do get that shame. Yes, you that absolutely keeps you quiet. Do. Yeah. And by staying quiet, you don't get the confirmation that other people feel like this. Yeah, and you're just feeding into the perfectionism by staying quiet. Yeah, and I think also for me it's really helpful with the relationship perfectionism to be yes. able to tell someone, look, I'm feeling really bad about cancelling or about saying this can you please fact check it it's sort yeah, of fact checking is a really good way to do it yeah because you sometimes you're not the best judge no and if you're placing yourself against the standard you have to talk to somebody else and be like is this <laughs> is this right is this right but is it also, okay yeah and then think about it if if you were going to place that standard on your friend or your housemate yeah like, would you one of the things that my psychologist and i are working with at the moment is a strategy for when perfectionism pops up is would I treat Hamilton this way? Yes. Because a lot of the time the answer would be no. Yes. But for some reason I think it's okay to treat myself that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a That's really a good – yeah, I think looking at um, if you're lucky enough to have a doggo, <laughs> looking at whether you treat your doggo like that, looking Brother, at whether you treat sister, friends, friends, somebody – like anyone that you care about. Yeah, your partner – if you're willing to treat somebody else like that, then okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if the answer is 
legitimately yes, then it might be an okay thing. Yeah. But if it's perfectionism, a lot of time the answer is no. Yeah. And then you've really got to be like, well, if I wouldn't do it for someone else, can't do it for myself. And that's the thing. You do have to be ruthless with this stuff. You, you do. do have to pick yourself up or pick yourself up on stuff and be like, wait, is this perfectionism once you realise it is perfectionism? Yes. Is it going to serve me? Yeah. I think that's a great question. Is it going to serve me? And if the answer is no, yeah. don't do it. Yeah. Because no offence to past Meg, but I feel like an hour or two of sleep every night was not serving her. <laughs> an hour or two of sleep does not serve anyone. <laughs> not, no. Zero no out of ten. No. Hamilton yeah. would not be okay. Oh, my God. He would be a little devil. We would be so sad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's obviously, as we said at the start, we're not perfect at this. Yes. Um, and I think we both very much struggle with perfectionism still. I think for me at least it's one of those things that has always been there. But I think when you go through an eating disorder, it gives your eating your it gives perfectionism a really nice outlet. Yeah. Where you can sort of funnel it all into one thing. And it also sort of, really builds it up. Like yeah. if it was going if it was muscle memory. It, yeah it would be a really strong muscle. Yeah. Like it's very powerful. And then when you're in recovery and doing like well in recovery, your perfectionism is just as strong, if not stronger, because yeah. your eating disorder isn't as strong. Exactly. I think for me, um, not so much now, I think it's settled, but when I was in those initial stages of recovery and I had given up behaviours, mm. there was this pressure that if I'm not doing my, if I'm not eating disordered, I have to be suddenly better at everything in my yeah. life because I have all this extra headspace and energy, which was bullshit. I did not have <laughs> a lot of extra headspace when you're in the initial stage. No, you, you still don't. No. And it's, it's yeah, you once you take away your eating disorder, the, the perfectionism is still there. Oh, definitely. And it can feel like you have to be better at something. But that is not right no. and I think when you take away the eating disorder you you do have more of a chance of doing more things in life Absolutely. that is true but there's you don't have to be the perfect human you don't have no. to be superhuman um and I think for me at least in my eating disorder um I really didn't when I was really unwell I didn't I didn't care about anything else I didn't care about my marks yeah I didn't care about what somebody was thinking I didn't didn't care much about anyone or anything apart from my eating disorder yeah um so it was a very very funneled perfectionism for me mm. um so yeah it's been interesting in recovery to figure out how to manage perfectionism yes in a lot more different areas i think also there manage is the key word like you're yeah. not trying to get rid of it because no. you can't just doesn't go away it doesn't uh, i wish it did i so wish it did but there are ways yet yeah, that you can manage it yeah. and it becomes less invasive in your life yeah yeah that's a really good point because it is always going to be there yes. in some form but it's it's possible to manage it i agree yeah that's a nice little oh, ending yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks guys for um coming along on this wild yes such a season, ride. season two is <laughs> interesting we found our feet and we're yeah. just going for it yes yes um but yes, thank you for tuning in. We really do appreciate all the support. Um, and we're very excited to be back. And we have a few more surprises on yes. the way. Keen for what we have in store. Yeah. As always, if this has brought up anything for you, just head to I'm not fine.podcast on Instagram. You can find links to 
EDV, EDQ, Butterfly and Lifeline. We're always on a message if you've yeah, got any absolutely you want to share. Yes. Anything that has this has sparked for you? Yeah. Yeah, it's important, I think, as we were talking about with the shame cycle that it can continue with perfectionism to talk about perfectionism. Absolutely. And to 